0: listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening
1: good morning and welcome to nsps radio hour i'm your host kurt sumner glad to have you with us today uh, my guests today have an interesting topic for us to talk about uh, as do all my guests i might add uh, but this is a follow-up to a, a recent really recent just a week ago actually a uh, function that took place uh put on by the National Geodetic Survey, and uh, we'd written about it a little bit in the newsletter, and I thought it'd be a good idea for our audience to get caught up on what was discussed. So today I have with me Christine Gallagher, who is Constituent Resource Manager at NGS. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, sir. And Dr. who is National Spatial Resource... I didn't do that right. National Spatial Reference System Modernization Manager. Did I get that part right, Drew?
2: You did. Thanks, Kurt.
1: <laughs> Finally, I got it right. Well, I hope you guys are doing well today. You've um, you you you've probably already noticed I'm a little off, off. Well, I'm always a little bit off, but I'm woozy today. It took me a long time this morning to figure out why I wasn't feeling so great, and then I thought, okay, eight hours of tree and yard work on Saturday and four hours yesterday plus age factor, that probably did it for me right there. <laughs> so if if I lose focus today, you'll know that that combination of work and old age is is catching up with me. So anyway, I appreciate you all being with me today. It's always great to to uh, have conversations. And and by the way, I unfortunately I wasn't able to come last last Monday. I just returned from a trip over in Europe. But uh, I know Dave Doyle was there and uh, had some. Some input from from us on a couple of things or at least one thing. so as we go through we can can talk about that but um, so maybe the best way to start the show is I'll start with Christine and and why don't you both share some things about yourselves and your jobs and that kind of thing with our audience. So Christine, if you do that, I'd appreciate it.
3: Sure. As Kurt mentioned, I'm the Constituent Resources Manager at NGS, so a huge part of my job is engaging directly with our customers and our stakeholders. It's great to partner with Kurt and and other agencies to get the word out about the the work that we're doing, as well as hear from everyone what the requirements are in their work as they do surveying projects, engineering projects, and make sure that The tools that we're developing and the decisions that we're making help people do the work that they need to do. I am also leading our communications and outreach group, which is working to update information on our website and also plan events like the one that we had last week. We had a, a great turnout for our third geospatial summit, and we can talk more about that later in the show, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, we certainly will. Thanks. Is I know that in I don't know recent years when you get to be my age, almost anything's recent. But um, certainly, this this kind of outreach has has been part of the NGS. And is that something that's always been there, or is that relatively new positions, or uh, or maybe just different tasks now? I don't know.
3: I think it's a combination of all of those things. There have been some new positions created because we do want to just make sure that we are constantly and prioritizing the conversations and, and engagement with our stakeholders. so there have been yep. a couple of new positions created, like the one i 'm in
1: i I suspect you may find the same kind of thing we do here, and that is the more information you provide and the more you have outreach toward people. Uh, the more need you have for somebody to actually talk to them, <laughs> you
3: know right. if, if
1: you would like to think, well, hey, we got everything out there, all they got to do is go see it, but I know that's one of the things we find here is that we just have a continual um communication back and forth with people on a, on this kind of level on telephone level or uh email sometimes or whatever but uh it's just uh, i don't know if it's ironic or not, but it's certainly interesting that in the age of hey, we can share everything so easily. People actually want to talk to you more, it seems. So uh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah, I I completely agree. We've gotten great feedback on some of the things we've been promoting, like webinar series and and events and other communication tools. And the more you send out, the more people want to engage and hear about more programming.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, maybe you could talk a little bit about that webinar series so everybody's aware.
3: Absolutely. Every second Thursday of the month, NGS hosts, a webinar in which we invite one of our team members, often one of our leads on a program or a project, they give uh, our presentation on a variety of topics, whether it's a product or service or just some of the science that we're working on at NGS. It's a completely free webinar series. All you need to do is go to our website to sign up to get email notifications to find out what we're going to be talking about that month. I will also say that we do post recordings of our webinars on our website, so if you've missed that webinar live, you can always log on and view it when you have time in your schedule.
1: Yeah, that's a great service. I've had an opportunity to sit in on some of those and certainly is a a good service for all of us in the the geospatial world to, to be able to take part in. So we really do appreciate the fact that you guys do that. So, Mr. Drew, talk to us about you.
2: All right. Uh, I've been with uh, the National Geodetic Survey for 22 years. And around 2005, I took the position of chief geodicist, and I held that position for about 10 years. And during that time, uh, we developed uh, our 10-year plans where we we had made the decision, NGS leadership made that decision, to replace NAD83 and replace NAVD 88 So uh, that that was uh, laid down in the 10-year plans, and... As we moved forward and the scope of of those actual replacements became uh, clear to us, the the position of NSRS Modernization Manager uh, was created uh, specifically so that somebody could explicitly just focus on all the projects around NGS that were necessary to get those two replacements done. So. Since 2015, I've been in that position, and my focus has, has been explicitly on, on just getting uh, those uh, the datums changed over to uh, to new, more accurate uh, reference frames and datums.
1: Yeah, that's I, I've said this on the show before. I don't know if you guys have heard me say it before or not. But years ago, when when things were changing rapidly, as I, they always do, I suppose uh, Dave Dolan and I traveled around. A, a bit together, and, and I was always joking with him about what we're going to be the coordinates de jour, uh, because it it's, it seemed there were so many changes, and I guess that's inevitable. Though I mean, I, I know what's happening now is is uh, another step forward, but uh, I don't know. I don't guess anybody can predict really what what's going to happen in the future.
2: Oh well, that's that's true, and this this was not a light decision, of course. I mean, we're talking about. Uh, an enormous quantity of geospatial data, both at the federal level, the state level, down to the the local level, that have been on NAD83 and NADD88. We've we've seen, as as surveying technology and our knowledge as a whole has improved, that there's been uh, a need to adjust coordinates over time. But the actual replacement of the datums themselves was uh, a substantial step, uh, where we're we 're talking about people having legal requirements to be on nAD eighty three as an example so this this was not something that we we took uh, lightly so that 's why we 've given ourselves so many years uh, besides just the technology, just the overall administrative task of of getting the datum switch it, it's it's tremendous
1: yeah I know you guys um, speaking of the of the the legal part of this or what 's in the state laws with regard to reference frames I know that was a big effort that that you all went through and and we had some a little participation in as well um, and and I know that that was part of the conversation so I don't know if you want to talk about that now or not but I just know I just realized or know from all the correspondence going back and forth and the, all the work that you guys did and the team that you put together to create this draft legislation and frankly i'm not I'm not convinced that everybody still knows that it's out there sometimes I go to state conferences and We put information out, and I talk about, hey, have you seen this this, uh, template legislation there? What are you talking about? So it's a a pretty big job to make sure everybody is aware of it, and I think it was a great concept on you guys' part to create something that's more uh, long-lasting because uh, I think, am I correct, that when you started doing the research, you still found some of the laws referencing even something before
2: 88? Well, yeah, yeah, and, and thanks, Kurt. It, it was a, definitely a, a joint effort between the National Genetic Survey, NSPS, and AAGS. It was last year, Christine and I both were on the working group that, that put this together, that the three groups decided that it was time to sit down and, and address the fact that replacing NAD83 was, was going to impact those 48 states who have, by law, explicitly stated Something in their state legislature that, that, that references NAD83 by name, and we, we realized that that was something that had to be uh, had to be addressed. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, basically, what we found in, in our in our committee was that a lot of the laws were talking about state plane coordinates, reference to NAD83. But there were, as we as we did our research, there were plenty of states who still had on the on the books. In addition to NAD-83 state plane coordinates, they had uh, very explicit uh, um, terminology about NAD-27 state plane coordinates as well.
1: It's going to be interesting to see. I know that this template's been put together, and is is there any – I don't even know if this is possible or not, but the question I was going to ask is uh, – the only way I guess we'll ever really know if how people make those changes is if we see what their law is. I mean, is there some kind of a reporting system that people will let you know what they're doing, or is it you just have to keep try- looking at, at what they have?
2: Uh, yeah, it's not it's not entirely clear to me what the the next steps are from, from NGS's standpoint uh, we've we're very interested in making sure that that the states are aware that this is going on. And that there is some move to 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 make sure they're not painted into a quarter a corner, uh, as far as nomenclature. And so, when we finished up the work, the the template was very broad as far as um, the type of wording that that was included. We we tried to say things like coordinates in the national spatial reference system, uh, or you know the latest coordinates, so that when the template is applied to state legislatures that it'll never have to be changed again, because it'll, it'll be so generic. But the 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 template was complete, and then uh, we handed it over to uh, NSPS. And at the moment, we are sort of in wait-and-see mode, because NSPS is, has agreed to sort of take the lead on making sure that the, the template has been farmed out to the states uh, to see if they're, to make sure that they're educated about it and to start their process. But uh, since it's, five years away, and sometimes legal proceedings can take a, a good long time, uh, we already feel like we're a little bit behind the curve, but hopefully five years will be enough to get most of the states transferred over by 2022.
1: Yeah, we, we may have to start putting a, a headline in our weekly email newsletter to remind people every week, uh, just just so we keep people's minds on, on what needs to be done, so... Anyway, we're at the first break point, so let's go do that. We'll come back and talk more uh, about the conference when we get back in just a couple of minutes.
4: Great. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like-new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy.
5: 438-0387, or go to quickstate.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
6: Or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com. And here's something new from Schonstett. Did you know that Schonstett has upped the ante on trade-ins? Now you can trade in any instrument, theirs or a competitor's, in any condition, working or not, and receive more in trade than ever before. Plus, they'll pay the freight both ways. Contact your local dealer for details or go to That's schonstedt.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back with Christine Gallag- Gallagher, Andrew Smith, this morning talking about NGS things, and uh, actually during the break, Christine, we mentioned the weather, and and you're, at, you're out in Kansas City. You said, um, "Was the effect there bad?" I, the things I saw in the news this morning looked like it was pretty bad in a lot of places.
3: It's been raining for a couple of days. Yep.
1: So let's go ahead and chat about uh, the uh, the conference that just was this a week ago now, and maybe Christine, you can talk to us some about uh, the, the conference stats. The the, some of the the uh, logistics or dynamics of the conference. And uh, I'm assuming by now you've already heard some feedback from people, or maybe you heard it during the conference.
3: Yes, to all of the above. And, and, yeah, I'd like to take a step back and, and give some context where we started with events like this. As Drew mentioned a few minutes ago, it was a big decision for NGS to lay out in its 10-year plan the plans to replace NAT83 and NEDD88. We know that that's going to have a big impact on the user community, community and an important first step would be to open additional communication channels. And we thought a, a good way to do that is through a more traditional conference proceeding. We had our first geospatial summit in 2010 in Silver Spring, Maryland, in which we had I think well over 200 folks. A lot of federal agency partners were in attendance at that first summit. Then in 2015, we partnered with the National Society of Professional Surveyors and MAPS, joining one of their national meetings and and having a summit again in 2015. That brought in a lot of folks who were from the the private sector and not so much our federal partners. And that was a great event as well. This year, in 2017, we returned closer to our, our home office in Silver Spring. We had a day and a half agenda on last Monday and Tuesday. We had over 300 people in person, so we were really excited about that turnout in person. Since it is so hard to travel, we also offered a webinar option, and we had over 150 people participating live. So all in all, we had over 400 people engaged in this meeting. We got some really positive feedback about the amount of information that was shared. I think people were able to hear a lot more about projects that have been going on internally to NGS. They also had the chance to give us some feedback. The second afternoon was dedicated completely to hearing feedback from our customers. We had different stakeholders from federal agencies, from state agencies, local government, and the private sector as well, all telling us steps they've taken to, to get ready for these changes in the datums, as well as letting us know if there are some concerns. I think those conversations are really letting us move forward and, and make sure we're addressing concerns as we move forward.
1: So are, is there a plan to keep doing this, or is this? have you thought that further?
3: Yeah, there are going to be a couple of follow-on activities in the near term. We are hoping to have a webinar that just has some follow-up information synthesizes and pulls together a lot of the feedback that we heard from folks. I think the next year we're going to work to engage with the private sector and and vendors because that's a key way that a lot of people use our products and services. We think that it may be about two years when we plan our next large summit that invites everybody from the public to participate. So we're thinking about in another two years, maybe 2019. For another big event
1: so in your in your 18 event you're would you look at maybe doing that at some conference or would you have a special or would that be through webinars or what are you thinking there
7: I
3: think there will be a debrief webinar and I, I don't know that we're planning any specific event that we host in 2018 that being said we have folks around the country continuing to participate in state and local and national conferences our geodetic advisors in particular they're going to be out talking to people around the country, engaging in conferences, and absolutely some of the topics that they'll be discussing is all related to the replacing of NAT-83 and NAVD 88
1: Right. I, yeah. This is probably a Drew question, but, Drew, uh, I'm, I'm supposing that as time has gone along and technology has has become what it is, um, there must be more of this this private sector, in particular, and even the vendor side, I guess, engagement than perhaps in years past when, you know, most or a lot of times our our engagement from the private sector would be, okay, let's call up somebody down at NGS and look for some coordinates, uh, talk to Dave or whoever. Uh, but I, I would assume with with all of us using equipment that we're using now and the vendors doing the things they're doing, there there must be more of that going on. I would think.
2: There is Kurt, and there's there's a lot of opportunity to engage with the private sector in ways that we never envisioned ten years ago. So to follow up with what Christine said, we've we've heard a lot of feedback from the private sector at this last geospatial summit. They're looking for much more engagement. We heard ideas about making it easier for our products and services to to plug and play with their products and services. So we're we're taking steps towards that as far as we, NGS, are designing an entirely new way of of blue booking, which is ways for people to turn in their surveys to us so that they're they're attached to the National Spatial Reference System. They go in the database. We are rebuilding our database entirely. Uh, We heard some some really forward-thinking ideas that we're considering, but we haven't really taken a lot of steps towards, such as whether or not we could have Uh, direct feeds from, say, someone's range pole out there doing an RTN survey? Could they be directly feeding their survey data right to us via the Internet, uh, a Bluetooth connection to their phone? There's a lot of smart people that are just trying to create more and more user-friendly apps. And all of these things sound like great ideas, and we're definitely considering them.
1: Yeah, I guess that goes with the with the uh, the territory of things changing, and uh, it's hard to even imagine where we are now, where we have been, and even in recent years, and where we may be going next. Uh, I, I've stopped trying to figure out how that might work going ahead because I've I think I've lost track of where we are now anyway. <laughs> so it's there's just so much going on out there that uh, that comes into play, and of course, as you said. The people who are creating things out there on the on the private sector side are looking for ways to interact and engage and utilize uh, what's available to them through through your agency and others. So I, I can see how that would be uh, something that becomes more and more intense as time goes along. Christine, I, I kind of jumped away from what we were talking about on the conference. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not sure what I may have left out or what, what, what questions I didn't ask about about the conference or the feedback that you guys got. So I, I don't know if you have something else you want to add there.
3: Let me think for a minute. Uh, one thing I could mention is that one reason we really enjoy hosting these conferences is that direct feedback from customers. It's it's just a lot more tangible when you're having those conversations. And we're working to make sure that we have those conversations with remote attendees, too. One thing that we tried out was just using some live polling technology so we could ask people in real time how what you're thinking about the priorities that we've been discussing, what you're thinking about NGS needs to prioritize in the future. Um, through those polls, we learned more about our audience. We had, we had a combination of folks. We had land surveyors and geodesists of course, but we also had a, a decent contingent of engineers, GIS users, and some of those new user groups that, with this rapidly changing technology, are, are able to take advantage of precise uh, mapping tools and information.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. The the live polling, I I don't know exactly how it, how it worked, but I know the conference I was in over in uh, in Europe. Uh, had something like that. We had a group of speakers, and you know they had a big, huge screen up, and people in the audience were actually had. I'm not sure, since I was on the, the speaker stand, I'm not sure what they were utilizing, but they had some form of maybe everybody had a little box of some kind, and they would post questions electronically, and people would respond to that, and then it was it's like an instantaneous. Uh, uh, gathering of information and and polling of answers. You know, X number of people thought this or X number of people said why. And I don't know if that's what you guys were using, but I found that to be really interesting.
3: Yeah, we definitely were using something similar. We let folks pull out their smartphones and and take advantage of that technology we all carry around with us every day. But it's a really neat way to get feedback from 100 people instantaneously rather than having to pass around a microphone to every single person in the room. And things that we heard were, were an interest in some of our favorite products and services, like CORES and OPUS. And we also heard from people that continued education and training is something that's really going to be necessary to make this all happen smoothly.
1: Yeah, the, I think that whole dynamic of, of that, for lack of a better term, that instant responses that people are able to uh, give feedback right away is, a, is an excellent way to do it. I. I'd like for us to be able to figure out some way to leverage that ourselves sometimes,
2: because mm-hmm,
1: you, know, you send out something and you try to get feedback and then maybe you get 100 emails or I don't know what the what the numbers are, but uh, it's, it would be great if you were able to capture all of that and then sort of um, see how it falls out right there in front of you. I, I just think that's a great thing.
3: yeah.
1: Now, your people that were online, I guess were able to do the same thing. the, the ones that were coming through the webinar.
3: Absolutely, it was a. It was also a good tool to con, combine the in person and the webinar audience, so that everybody could speak with the same the same level of engagement. Right. Yep.
1: And I'm am sure everybody was in agreement on everything, right? Isn't it always? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, some some questions definitely had a clear clear winner. I think the advantage of asking the questions is often you get the answers, your response, but every now and again you, you get something that you didn't expect. And it, it reminds you that you need to keep talking to people and, and make sure you do understand where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can totally relate to that getting something you don't expect regardless of how you ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> you,
3: you, you think
1: you, you have some sense of where people are, are thinking maybe and then something comes totally out of the blue and, oh, wow, never even thought of that. So right. that, that, that makes perfect sense, that's for sure. So that, that's a great tool to use. I, uh, I hope that when we're doing things, we're able to do more of that as well. Yeah. So you had mentioned that I believe you said you were going to do something next year and then maybe something in in 19?
3: We don't have anything scheduled for, for next year formally.
6: Okay. I'm I think Australia.
3: it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be more um, just meeting and following up with people that we engaged in, in smaller groups. Uh, we'll see, take okay. advantage of yeah. We'll take advantage of of platforms that we have and, and other meetings and national meetings and, and our webinar series. But I don't think we're going to have a, a, a formal event in eighteen.
1: Well, we're yeah. we're only thirty seconds or so away from the break, so I'm going to uh, ask a question that maybe we can uh, get feedback on later. But I'm a little bit curious on. I know when you get feedback from people, you get from our community and from the private mm-hmm. sector community. I'm just curious how broad that is. How how far-reaching does that go in terms of communities of interest? And I don't know, no, that's not, don't know if that's an answerable question, <laughs> but anyway, it was on my mind, so I thought I'd ask. So when we come back from the break, let's talk about that. We'll go to break now. Geez, okay. that 13 minutes We even faster than the first one.
2: Yeah, that, that's it true. Is. My goodness.
1: I had to look at my stopwatch
2: and my watch to see if I was on (laughs) time. So, so Kurt, um, here's a prompt I would have you give us, which is um, to ask Christine what some of the uh, far and away winners were in the polls, because the one that I found most interesting was that people, when we asked them what they wanted the most from NGS, it was some, uh, and I, Christine, I don't know the question, but it was basically they wanted the RTN validation service, which I thought was really striking. It was a Huge winner. Uh, so, uh, you know, we could talk a little bit about that. And I, I okay. thought that was a little surprising.
1: Yeah. Okay. That sounds great.
4: Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like-new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com NSPS for details.
5: Quick Stakes 0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
7: Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: We were talking about the, the poll, Christine, that that you guys did, and I'm curious about all your questions, I guess. But I'm am really interested in what were the ones that you got the the most, the, you know, the, the winners, so to speak, of the of the feedback that you got.
3: Sure. One question that and, and response that I think surprised some of us is we ask people what is the most critical way that NGS could support its customers, we gave them some options about just increasing communication, engaging universities, working on our website, expanding our education portfolio. And the the far and away winner was a little bit of a different vein. It was about validating real-time networks. It's something that we've talked about, and I, I think it's, to me, it's illustrative of the fact that people want engagement and communication at all levels, but when it comes down to it, they want support at the the level where they do work every day. And a lot of surveyors are using those real-time networks, and and having NGS work with those communities is something people are really interested in.
1: So I don't know if this is a Christine or a Drew question. When you're talking about validating those networks, talk to us about that process.
2: I think I can speak to that a little bit. So what what this basically uh, means, first of all, is is an acknowledgement that RTNs are taking off, they have been taking off for years. NGS knows this, and uh, frankly, with running a federal uh, system, the National Spatial Reference System, uh, the size of this country, makes it very difficult for NGS to consider uh, seriously running a federal RTN. Uh, our approach for years has been that we, we, we see the validity in RTNs uh, being out there. We see, see how important they are. And rather than try to run our own network, we would rather be in a partnership with all the RTN operators that are out there. So, having said that, what, what this you know what this word validation really means is is nothing more than an acknowledgement between NGS and the RTN operator that if they are giving out coordinates to users at you know on their on their range pole in their RTN and it says it's an NAD83 coordinate or you know, in in 2022 when we switch over to the new reference frames, that when they give a coordinate and they state it's in the NSRS, that NGS simply says, yes, we we are in complete agreement that uh, that is a, you know, that seems to be aligned with the NSRS. Uh, Certainly there are always biases and uh, random measurement errors. And so if we can quantify how well it's aligned with the NSRS, that's the sort of thing we're talking about, is just giving the end user the confidence that, not only does the RTN operator provide coordinates, but NGS stands behind the RTN operator and says, "Absolutely, we we got a handshake agreement here. We 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 are we are in agreement that you're in the NSRS to a certain level of of, uh, of accuracy." So is is that
1: becoming more and more? I don't know if "popular" is r- the right word in terms of the number of RTNs that are out there. I, I'm I'm sure that over time. Uh, there have been people, regardless of where we were in the process, that who were doing this kind of thing. But are you seeing an increase in the number of people that are doing that, or is it becoming the, to the point where uh, it's it, it's there's less need for more of them? I, I'm just asking that question out of total ignorance on that.
2: So, so at the moment, there there is no official service that NGS offers that that partners with the RTN, this RTN operators. So this is. This has been a proposal we've taken some small steps towards it, mostly studies, mostly looking at uh, best practices for doing RTK surveys, uh, for running RTN networks. But now NGS this last year has started a a project. And in earnest the attempt is to actually stand up a service where we can do that handshake agreement. And so, you know, what, what we've done is we've done a couple of accuracy studies ourselves here and there. And we've seen the power of an RTN, uh, a well-run RTN. As a simple, you know, one-off example that happens to be that I'm familiar with, when we did the geoid slope validation survey in Texas in 2011, we did uh, long-session GPS surveys on points, and we also did uh, RTN surveys on those same points. And what we were finding is when we got coordinates out of, say, a 48-hour session on a point, and we compared those coordinates with what a user could get out of a six-second RTN uh, occupation that, you know, aside from outliers and and other uh, statistical anomalies, we were finding that in latitude and longitude, users could get about a centimeter horizontal and about two to three centimeters in ellipsoid height with six seconds of data. Now, that is extremely powerful compared to a 48-hour session. So... With that sort of study, that sort of knowledge, that's why we want to make sure that we are encouraging users to use RTNs more and more to access the NSRS in a way that we are able to at least let them know how that RTN is aligned with the NSRS.
1: Now, in in looking at the RTN and looking at the the individual users, uh, there's no way to project anything ever, I don't think, <laughs> because things change so rapidly. Um, but is there any thought moving forward that that someone who's out there as as a user, an individual entity, company, whatever, um, is there ever going to be a point in time where that company can do for itself what it gets through RTNs now? Maybe that's a crazy question, but I'm just curious.
2: Uh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not fully sure because I, I am I am no RTN expert myself. I should I should quantify that. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of places where GNSS will broaden out. Uh, there is, you know, right right now, of course, differential positioning uh, with with long session GPS is is, is a well known quantity. But we have shorter session. We have rapid static Opus RS. RTN operators um, offering a service uh, are yielding up uh, significant accuracy, but there are other uh, options. There's um, global PPP options that are that are starting to really give both RTN and, and long session uh, GPS a run for their money. So I'm not exactly sure what the the number one way people are going to get fast, accurate positioning out of GNSS is, but uh, as as we get to the point where we have Four full constellations in the sky. I think you're going to see a lot of innovation, uh, and so when that happens, I'm quite sure that individual businesses, whether they be uh, something as large as, say, your your your, RTS, your, your GNSS uh, providers or individual you know RTN operators, could these. I think they're going to provide new services as innovation uh, kicks in. Yeah, I, and,
1: and thanks for thanks for broaching that subject with me a little bit i i guess just in and thinking back over my close to 40 years i guess (laughs) being in the serving business maybe a little longer even um and how things change i in my mind I, i don't even know how to begin to think about what's coming you know when when i'm looking at where things were when i started and how where they are now and and how rapidly a lot of that has actually occurred. I mean, you know, there was a period of time, even even in what I was doing, that things didn't all change all that much. I mean, we, I got my first handheld calculator during that period of time, and, and then, of course, we went on to do instrumentation and, and satellites and all those kind of things, but just my mind isn't broad enough, I don't think, to envision what might be out there.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be quite an interesting world uh, when we have four full constellations running. So, we're looking forward to it, to to seeing what, what's out there. But in, you know, as as a federal agency, uh, we, you know, we want to see uh, the United States businesses. We want to see everybody innovating. We want to, we don't want to stand in the way of progress. We simply want to, you know, be that federal standard uh, to which everyone is working. But we definitely don't want to uh, that to. Stand in the way of progress, either, which is why we came up with this this concept of you know just handshaking with the with the RTN vendors rather than trying to stand up an RTN service ourselves.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I know we wanted to come in talking about the, the the conference, and and I think in a way we've been talking about it, at least the topics. But uh, talk to us about what some of those discussions were throughout the throughout the couple of days.
2: Well, I think the. The the thing that we really wanted to, to present to people at this geospatial summit was that NGS is finally starting to to make some very uh, important decisions and shape what 2022 is going to look like. You know, it was all well and good back in 2008 in our first uh, you know ten year plan at that point to to talk about replacing NAD83 and NAD88, but in the last year a number of uh, policy decisions and science decisions were made. So we we began to codify them in something that we're calling the blueprint for twenty twenty two. And we expect that's going to be a three-part document at least. And the first part was put out just before the summit and it addresses the geometric side of the NSRS. That is the XYZ or latitude, longitude, ellipsoid height side of the NSRS. Uh, what basically what is the replacement for NAD 83 going to look like? How will people access it? Uh, what are some of the uh, services that we will offer? How will things change? So that was the biggest part of, of the discussion, I think, was talking about those decisions.
1: So was I, I noticed in the program there's a, a lot of different activities that, that went on. And so were they all targeted toward that same overall theme?
2: Yes. I mean, in general, NGS wanted to give an overall... Uh, theme of what NAD83 and NAVD88 and blue booking and customer service, all of these things. What will they look like in 2022? So there was a, a, a broad brush there, but a lot of a lot of details laid out, and then the questions and conversations that occurred really helped uh, refine some of those details. So we ex- we expect these blueprint documents to continue to come out throughout the year. Parts two and three. Part two will cover the GST. Uh, geopotential side, which is the replacement for nvd 88 And part three will be blue booking, which is how will people turn in surveys to us and how will we put them in the database and present that back out. Uh, right now it's through the IDB and blue, uh, excuse me, data sheets, but there's going to be new services in the future. So those are, that's what we expect in the ne- next year. That's what users can expect to see from NGN.
1: So I'm just thinking here. Um, Obviously, we've got more things to cover when we come back. I'm just trying to make sure I get everything covered uh, correctly. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, and we only have a minute left in this segment, but maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the interaction that went on during the conference. I know that you had a whole group of speakers uh, that were talking about different things. And then uh, um, I know you had feedback from people, so hopefully when we uh, when we do get back after the break, we can maybe talk a little bit about that, that part, and I don't want to leave anything out, of course, moving forward and and all those kind of things. So um, I, we can think about, chat about it during the break. Maybe maybe there's some particular things that we'll want to, to focus on that, that took place during the conference. And, of course, I'm always interested in... Uh, and the the state legislation side of it, and I don't know if we need to talk further about that. I know Dave would have done a great job in talking about that on on our behalf. So we'll um, we can talk about that if we need to. Chase, but uh, to you. anyway, I, when we do come back, I just want to make sure we'll chat during the break that I I'm I'm not missing anything along the way. So let's go to that last break, and we'll be back in uh, in just a.
6: And here's something new from Schonstett. Did you know that Schonstett has upped the ante on trade-ins? Now you can trade in any instrument, theirs or a competitor's, in any condition, working or not, and receive more in trade than ever before. Plus, they'll pay the freight both ways. Contact your local dealer for details or go to schonstett.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot
5: 800-438-0387 or go to quickstate.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today
0: did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on itunes you can listen to your favorite programs on america'swebradio.com anytime you like.
7: Attention surveyors. Seanstedt announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator the maggie combines the best features of two flagship shanstad products the sensitivity and precision of the ga52 cx and the visual display and single-handed operation of the ga92xt contact your dealer for details or go to www.shanstad.com shanstad the best just got better
0: you're listening to America's americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back for our last segment today with Christine Gallagher and Drew Smith talking about the future, the geodetic future. Um, and, Christine, I know earlier on we talked about um, getting that partner input and, and mm-hmm. what people had to say. Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit more about the detail of that, what what, what were people actually uh, talking about or responding to.
3: Sure. Our uh, feedback. Really, I would break it out into three sections. We had first our federal partners give us some updates, and that was really good to hear because the federal partners got to go into a little bit of detail about the specific programs and products that a datum change will affect. For example, FEMA was able to mention the National Flood Insurance Program and the types of maps and uh shape files and type of data that they manage and need to start thinking about how they're going to transform and and manage into the future. They reiterated along with some other federal partners that they use vendor software and and continued engagement with with the vendors is going to be critical for a smooth transition. USGS talked about a variety of products, whether it's their 3D elevation program serving mapping across the nation or even just the, the topo maps that a lot of folks are familiar with. They, they did highlight some of those products and projects and, and laid out a couple of ideas about how they want to manage the transition. U, U.S. Army of Corps of Engineers talked to us. We heard from the National Geospatial Int- Intelligence Agency because they provide some models and, and reference frames that NGS is coordinating closely with. Shifting to the private sector, the vendors, Drew already mentioned this a little bit, definitely shared with us some interesting opportunities of collaboration in the future that we're really excited to to engage with, whether it's the vendors that are collecting data, the geographic information system, folks that are building software with transformation tools, or the folks actually producing uh, GPS or GNSS equipment that surveyors use every day. The state and local partners, they, when it comes down to it, uh, they're the boots on the ground in the end and they, they want to make sure that their data holdings can be transferred into the replacement of NAT 83 and NAVD 88. So I think hearing from not just NGS but all the other federal agencies was a great opportunity for those local partners to start thinking about how they're going to manage this change in the future.
1: Yeah, that's that uh, That last one you mentioned with the state and local partners and, and data transformations, uh, I can only imagine what a big deal that is for them. And I don't know, mm-hmm. Drew, I know we're going to talk about the elements of the blueprint. I don't know if that's one of them, but but that certainly sounds like one that, that will bear a lot of uh, attention, I would think, and I, I don't know enough about how their data sets are all set up if they're all Using something kind of central, or if there's as many different ones as there are entities, I don't really know about that. But that seems like it could be. um, I don't know if a challenge is the right word, but certainly would be one of the most interesting things you have to deal with. I would think. Yeah, yeah. Go
2: ahead, Drew. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, it it is. It's going to be. It's going to be a huge challenge. The, The Quantity of data out there, we, we can't even begin to, to fully grasp. But uh, that's why in replacing NAD83, this is not dissimilar to what we decided when we when we used NAD83 to replace NAD27. Is we have to have a companion service with it that does datum transformations, uh, a piece of software, so that so that the people who have maps, surveys, ge- any geospatial data at all that is in nad 83 and they need to quickly transform it into into the new terrestrial reference frames. There will be an update uh, to NADCON, which is going to do that. So that's, you know, in addition to having an entirely new terrestrial reference frame, there's going to be that, that service that helps people get those, you know, I don't even know, petabytes, exabytes of data moved forward into the new frame and done quickly.
1: Yeah, this sounds like one of those things where um, with the changes, Everybody needs to try to be on board, I would, I would think, as quickly as possible, because this isn't necessarily one of those things you say, well, we'll get to that in 15 years in our county or whatever. I mean, it would seem like there's some level of urgency. Am I correct about that?
2: But there certainly is a level of urgency to it, uh, but, it but it's also, I think, accuracy-driven. There, there are uh, people in this world who, whose accuracy needs have been met by NAD 27, and they, they remain on that system. And that is, you know, that's not our business to, to 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 tell them not to do that. But what we are going to provide is, when it comes to the time of moving off of that, we have NadCon to get them into NAD83. There will be more about NadCon to get them into the, the future terrestrial reference frame. So that, yeah. The, but the sense of urgency is certainly that the quantity of data has to be transformed quickly. So we're gonna we're gonna be putting out a number of Uh, experimental products, which we release on our beta webpage so people can test the ability to transform this, and we're going to be working with USGS, for example, uh, to try to get them to transform a lot of their digital topo maps uh, long before 2022 to make sure we're capable of doing so and supporting them.
1: Right. You just said something that had not not really crossed my mind, I'm not sure why it hadn't, but the statements you made about not dictating what people use, and that some people are using 27, and I just never thought about that. I, I guess I just assumed everybody was making transformations as they come along, but I guess that isn't the case.
2: Well, you know, there's there's um, there's fact, and then there's reality. The, the fact is, NGS is part of the federal Geodetic control subcommittee and all of the federal geospatial agencies, we all agree to be on one system and that system is the NSRS. Uh, The the fact that the NSRS is used by the states and used by uh, local communities is a great convenience for everyone because being on the same system has a significant advantage. But there is no uh, legal ramification that NGS has Towards the states or the uh, or the municipalities about whether or not they're actually on uh, the NSR specifically. So, uh, you know, that's just something where it's it's best for us to provide services. But there, yeah, that, that's as far as that you know that actually goes.
1: Yeah, and I, I get I can see the incentive where uh, local state whatever would want to be in concert because as you guys were pointing out and, and what Christine was talking about earlier in terms of elevation and all those different things. Um, you would think that it would be to everybody's advantage to be on on the same framework, so to speak. So I, I can see where that would be a desirable thing to do, but also understand where people are on the other on the other side at say the local level in terms of what's it going to cost me to get there. So I, right. I, I, I guess I can certainly understand that side of it as well. So I, it's it's certainly an interesting concept. And earlier you talked about the elements of the Blueprint, and we've got five minutes or so left, so I don't know how much time we have, but maybe you could touch on that a bit more so people have a, an understanding of what, what those are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, there's significant detail, uh, more, more than we could possibly cover here, but the Blueprint document is available on our webpage, and you can get to it through the, the new datums uh, webpage itself through um, a link, that's that's there. Um, However, uh, let me just hit on the high points for those uh, who who are curious. Uh, The first thing is that there are, to, to be specific, there are three NAD83 reference frames out there. I'm sure most users are familiar with NAD83-2011, but for the Pacific plate, there's NAD83PA11, and for even the Mariana plate, there's NAD83MA11. Those three frames will be replaced with four terrestrial reference frames. And the reason is four is we are now going to provide a specific one for the Caribbean plate, which which has slightly different motions than the North American plate, and so rather than considering them locked together, we're going to uh, we're going to decouple those two and, and provide a reference frame for each one of those four plates. So that's that's the that's the big central part of twenty uh, of what's in the blueprint for 2022. We talk about the fact that we are going to be positioning everybody in the. The, uh, the latest frame of the IGS. From there, we will remove a plate rotation model for each individual plate, which is gonna give people semi-stable coordinates if they're in in the non-deforming part of the, the plate. And then from there then, to take away that last bit of deformation, uh, we're gonna also provide an intra-frame velocity model, uh, not terribly dissimilar to what HTTP does, but possibly provided in new ways, uh, first of all it's going to be three-dimensional instead of two-dimensional uh, and the attempt there is then to show people um, at whatever level they need for their work either complete time dependency like in the IGS frame uh, semi-stable coordinates where you know generally the only thing your point is doing is, is rotating with the plate or you know as stable as possible where we take away every last velocity on a point at a and try to give people stable coordinates at a specific ethic. So it's sort of a three-level service that we're going to be providing, uh, which is a new way of doing business uh, for for NGS. But we, we presume that, especially for people who are in dynamic areas, knowledge of that dynamic motion is actually a service that we can provide and should provide.
1: So it's not just as simple as turning on the machine. You, know, you need to understand a little bit more. As a matter of fact, as you were going through all of that, I was sitting here thinking to myself, I, maybe I need a PhD just to understand what you're saying here, because it's uh, you know to the casual user, so to speak, out there. And I'm not saying surveyors are casual users, but but uh, I get there's just so much you don't you don't think about. It, mm-hmm. It's you know it's a plug and play kind of thing. And
2: uh, yeah, they, they, it's uh, it's it's true that in, in in, uh, in our long history of, of surveying that until you know until we were aware as a surveying community until we were aware of the fact that the the earth is moving at centimeters per year when we you know when we finally had that level of accuracy in our continental scale with GPS style surveying it was a fairly simple uh, thing to, to presume that points passive control didn't move you didn't have to worry too much about it but we, You know, it's not just surveyors now. We're getting to that point where in the not-too-distant future, the general public will have access to centimeters through their cell phone. And right. they're going to see it. So we in GS feel we have to get ahead of this and and do as much as possible to, to make sure that the surveying community is able to use these tools, but in a way that you don't need that Ph.D. You just need to be aware of it. So possibly some continuing education is enough, and that is you know that that's where we're hoping to engage the most with the, the community. Well, I really appreciate you both being on with me today.
1: We got about thirty.
7: 30- Attention, surveyors. Shawnded announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead,
0: the best just got better. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.